Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's my nerd world, the Star Wars show. And on this week's episode, Star Wars spoon feeds paganism to kids in live action Ahsoka. Yeah, I got some problems with this article. I will share with you my thoughts, plus how I personally think that Ahsoka made Star Wars better with some of the story choices that Dave Filoni made. Thank you so much for checking out this week's episode. As always, like and subscribe if you are enjoying the show on YouTube or whatever platform you happen to be following the podcast at. And if you want to find out more about My Nerd World and the other podcast of my Embark Science Fiction series, be sure to head on over to MyNerdWorld.net. It's an instinct. The force brought us together. We're not alone. Good people will fight if we lead them. People keep telling me they know me. No one does. Welcome to it. It is a Star Wars show, and I'm your host, John Justice. This episode is brought to you by MyPillow. Head on over to MyPillow.com right now. 
Click on the radio listener square and type in the promo code JUSTICE. With that promo code, you're going to find massive discounts on all of the amazing products that my pillow offers. So I sleep on the uh, Giza Dream bed sheets. I use a uh, my pillow to uh, rest my head with a my pillow uh, pillow case. I also use the uh, towel set, and uh, probably my favorite item from my pillow is the my slippers. I wear them. Every day when I get home from work, head on over to MyPillow.com. And again, click on the radio listener square and be sure to uh, use the promo code JUSTICE to receive yourself some massive discounts on MyPillow products. We are the spark that'll light the fire that'll burn the first order down. Yeah, but it takes one Yahoo to go and blow that fire out. And that's what I have here in front of me in an article by Ben Christensen from The Federalist. Now, I am a radio talk show host. I've been doing radio for going on 28 uh, years. I'm raised in a staunch Christian uh, household, uh, going to church uh, every every Sunday since I was a kid, and that goes all the way back to when I saw Star Wars at the uh, age of five years old. And I remember after the original Star Wars came out, there was uh, quite a bit of... Of, of talk. And of course, we didn't have the internet back then. So this was just talk among friends and, and family and my father about the influences that George Lucas drew upon those ancient stories, Joseph Campbell, the hero's journey. And there were elements of religion, of course, as it relates to the force and this unseen power out there that you can tap into and do these amazing, amazing things. And I remember there were books that would promote Christianity that were based off of the idea of the force. And, you know, over the years, George Lucas has added a lot of different elements to the to the series and as have other content creators who have taken, you know, taken the mantle from George and in this case, Dave Filoni. Where I get tripped up or not tripped up, what bums me out is when I see an article like this. And this comes from The Federalist. This is a website that I use quite often on my radio show. And I, I see an individual who has a problem with the show. And it's something that I'm interested in, especially when you're talking about religion and, and, and paganism. And you get through the piece and you realize that, okay, this guy really didn't like the show. Because I can nitpick, and I'm going to, and take apart some of his arguments that he's making um, with regard to Ahsoka. And then I want to talk about how I think, in some ways, Ahsoka actually made Star Wars better. In as much as the series did what I think it does best when we're telling stories within the timelines of stories that we're already familiar with. And that is enhancing the tales around the timeline of this new story in an existing era of Star Wars that we're familiar with. But let me run through some points from this article, because I've got all kinds of issues with it. Uh, Star Wars always relied, uh, relied on mythical archetypes, it starts. Uh, but the newest television series descends into occult and pagan realms. <laughs> Which I had to chuckle a little bit, because while I understand his point, it kind of always has. It wasn't like the mythology of Star Wars and the Force was, you know, was deeply rooted in, you know, 
Judeo-Christian beliefs by any stretch. But let's, you know, I'll try not to deviate too far and get to his points and, you know, make my comments when they're relevant. For the first five episodes of Star Wars Ahsoka, instead of engage, instead of an engaging story, the show's energy focuses on a female-centric cast and reveling in all the animated characters from Star Wars The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels who are now in live action. It's self-indulgent and boring. All right, listen, that's subjective. I disagree. While there were moments in the first few episodes, and in this case the first five, where I think the pacing had slowed down a bit, seeing the story played out as a whole in all eight episodes, I have no issue with that at all. And going back and having watched the series a few times now, because I really enjoy it, and I'm coming from a perspective of really enjoying Star Wars, um, I don't agree with his criticism at all. What's funny to me is that, you know, he kind of states up front, it's self-indulgent and boring. And unfortunately, his view of the show, which he clearly has a right to have, everybody's got an opinion, it taints the rest of the article. And what this ends up becoming is what I see so often in the negativity around Star Wars, and that is the inability that some people have to simply just not like something and move on. There is this desire that people have, and it goes both ways, but there is this desire that people have to go and they must go and justify why they don't like it. Instead of just saying, "Ah, you know what, it didn't move me, and I moved on. For example, um, watching Secret Invasion, the Marvel series. Watched two or three episodes, and I turned it off. I just wasn't interested anymore. And I felt no personal desire. This is not a pat on my back. I've complained about things before and given my justification for complaining about things. But this is a trend that we see happening. I didn't decide to go and plop down and do a My Nerd World Secret Invasion dissertation on why I hated the show so much. I just went, it really didn't interest me, and I moved on. You think it's self-indulgent and boring? Don't watch it. Oh, but it wasn't enough for Ben. Things pick up and get weird in Episode 6 when the nominal witch... Morgan Elsbeth meets a trio of bonafide witches, three great mothers named after the Greek fates and capable of wielding a distinct form of force called magic, M-A-J-I-K. I do appreciate the fact that he points out that the great mothers are named after Greek fates because it kind of lends itself to that type of mythology, Dave Filoni bringing in other cultures' mythology and placing it in the Star Wars universe and creating something new. So kind of substantiates the reason why these witches are the way that they are and the way that they went. If you don't live on Wikipedia, the Star Wars Wikipedia, or if you haven't seen all seven series of The Clone Wars and all four of Rebels, some of that might sound more pagan than you're accustomed to seeing in Star Wars. Fair enough. Not going to argue with that. After all, the Force is, uh, as described by Obi-Wan Kenobi in A New Hope, sounds more Eastern and Buddhist. Yes, I do I do agree with that. However, when you get down to what he's referring to when he talks about this, the pagan aspects of it, the Force witch powers that they have, it really isn't all that much different from throwing Force lightning out of your hands or Force wielding in and of itself. Pagan? No, it's more just fantasy elements. I'd be hard-pressed, most likely, to see Ben Christensen complaining about a series like, say, oh, I don't know, Lord of the Rings, which you could absolutely go and apply the same sort of criticism that he is applying here to Star Wars Ahsoka. 
According to Wikipedia, these witches in the Star Wars universe connect to an aspect of the Force through ancient rituals. Uh, talisman and voodoo dolls. They draw their power from living sacrifices in certain planets with malevolent energy. Their rituals in the Clone Wars are genuinely creepy, no matter your age. Their magic allows them to resurrect dead, dead uh, the dead as zombies, inflict pain from a distance, and conjure inv- invisibility potions, teleport, and make uh, normal creatures into monsters. Okay, thanks for the Wikipedia. I also want to mention that not all of those things were included in the Ahsoka show. One of the beefs he has is that this is a show that's meant for kids, and it's showing paganism. In in that sense, you probably just shouldn't have the kids watch Star Wars at all, because you can kind of go and make that same claim throughout all of Star Wars. It may not be as upfront, and I do understand his argument. We're talking about witches, witches. And I know that there are some individuals that have a very similar problem when it comes to Harry Potter. I never have, besides the fact that Harry Potter really is just a retelling of Star Wars. If you look at the protagonist and the antagonist and you begin to break the storyline down of a chosen one and a child and you begin to see it really is just a riff off of Star Wars. That being said, it's also probably not that fair for J.K. Rowling for me to go and make that claim since George Lucas himself went and was taking from older mythology when he created Star Wars. He certainly was not the first one to put out um, a story based off of the hero's journey. If this all sounds like pagan fair, he goes on to say, it is. Their witchcraft frightens Jedi and Sith alike. While their presence in Star Wars is not new, there's something different about seeing these frightening figures in live action. Also, um, let me make this point. They're evil. They're not good people. So they're portrayed as evil. And actually, if you're, in my opinion, worried about kids, the cartoons and the Clone Wars are going to be way more influential than the live-action show is going to be. The Clone Wars um, Night Sisters episodes, if we're going off this idea of conjuring up the occult and, and paganism, gets way more graphic than Ahsoka did. All this witchcraft and, witchcraft and paganism is especially bizarre, Ben goes on to say, considering the rest of the show feels like it's made for kids. The slow-moving plot follows two angsty teen apprentices. Sabine Wren has a tense, almost mother-daughter relationship with her master, Ahsoka Tano. Her purple and orange hair seems teen, screams teen rebellion. Her counterpart is a Sith apprentice, Shin Hati, a girl with bleach blonde hair and thick black eyeliner. They are... Two sides of the same coin, of the same emo coin. Listen, I'm putting in here the emotion that I'm just sensing that he's feeling. I'm going to go back to what he said at the start of the article and where he should have ended. In his opinion, the show was self-indulgent and boring. Just stop there. But he didn't. Rounding out the cast and their long-suffering um, cons- uh, uh, considerate masters, the Sith master, Balan Skull, Ray Stevenson, surprisingly looks out for his apprentice. He advises her on how to earn a good place in the New Order. The Jedi Ahsoka patiently endures Sabine stealing her things, betraying her, talking back at every turn. There's also General Sandula, a widow and working mom who cares for her young son while investigating the Imperial remnants. Yet this tenderness feels incongruous when they finally reach the Imperial Grand Admiral Thrawn and the Night Sisters. After five episodes of hurt feelings, misunderstandings, and overbearing parental expectations, all of a sudden there are frightening witches, blue-skinned, red-eyed, ruthless Thrawn, and a chanting army of spooky stormtroopers. And the unnatural magic begins in earnest. 
Okay, I really don't know what his point was here. When it comes to the comparison of the master-apprentice roles, I took that as being part of the point and the journey of those characters. Balin Skull and Shin Hati were in two completely different places in terms of their relationship, whereas Ahsoka and Sabine had already gone through some paces in terms of her training, and Ahsoka's concern that Sabine's loss of her parents at the hands of the Empire after the fall of the Empire would lead her down a path to the dark side, which we discover in those latter episodes, which is why Ahsoka decided not to train her. When you get to the end of the episode, of the last episode, and you have the Morai bird that is there, along with Anakin Skywalker as a Force ghost, Ahsoka says that she's right where she needs to be. And the imagery, whether it's Anakin looking on fondly as a Force ghost or Morai, um, the Convaree, but it's, you know, the owl, the owl bird, indicates um, it's symbolic of Ahsoka being where she needs to be and deciding she is going to go ahead and train and train Sabine. This was a this was a journey for these for these two. And they weren't in it. They were in a completely different space. So it, it sounds like he's trying to compare and contrast the two master and apprentices and is attempting to make an argument that Balin Skull and Shin Hati being the villains were uh, at, you know, were better examples than than the heroes were. I think in my view, I took it as the heroes needed to be challenged. And at the end of the day, Balin Skull bailed on his apprentice to go seek his own power. One mercenary, the article goes on to say, accompanying Skull and um, and Naughty, and that would be Balin Skull and Shin Hati. Naughty were the, uh, were the crab people, um, is named Morak. And when Ahsoka slashes him with her lightsaber, his body violently dissolves it dissolves into green mist. Green is the color of the Night Sister magic and how it often takes. The stormtroopers that serve under the Grand Admiral Thrawn all wear red ribbons around their armor, the same color as the Night Sister's robes, and they're called Night Troopers. They are led by Captain Enoch, a name that is shared in bibli- uh, with a biblical figure who did not see death. In the finale, when a squad of troopers is slain, the Great Mothers begin chanting in another language. Green Mist enters the fallen troopers, and they rise and continue fighting. For the first time in live action, we have zombie stormtroopers. And it's not the first time in Star Wars that we've had zombies resurrected. The Night Sisters did that before in the Clone Wars. Also in the finale, Morgan Elsbeth receives a gift of shadows from the Great Mothers. She makes a vow that echoes a baptismal ceremony. She is asked, do you pledge yourself to the sisterhood, to the magiques, to the old ways? Do you abandon your old life for this new one? Your loyalty, your life, to each of these questions, Morgan replies, I do. The ritual culminates with a laying of the hands from one witch. Morgan's eyes and head glow. She moans, throws back her head. Her face suddenly shows dark lines, and the witches conjure the blade of Towson out of thin air. Okay, yes, all that happened. It sounds like he's complaining, but he doesn't even make a point here as to what he's trying to drive at. He makes his final few paragraphs here. But let me just mention, okay, apart from the more overt similarities to, say, pagan witches... How is that really any different than Anakin Skywalker when he bows down, you know, I pledge yourself to your teachings? He gives him a brand new name and the dude ends up getting Sith eyes for crying out loud. 
The season ends with Morgan dead and the Grey Mothers in Thrawn free of exile. Skull finds giant statues of the gods of Mortis, an obscure trio of wearing godlike beings from the Clone Wars. All these villains remain at large at the season's end for this timeline of Star Wars shows, which includes The Mandalorian, Ahsoka, and The Book of Boba Fett, and a coming movie that combines them all. It is a safe bet to say that paganism is here to stay. You know, you could, and maybe you are arguing that the Force is more, or maybe the article writer is arguing that the Force is more and a- ambiguous and therefore less hedonistic, but... To harp on Star Wars repeating what centuries of storytelling has done. And this goes back to Narnia. Let's talk about some, you know, some stories that are written by individuals that were that were Christians. You you know, from the Narnia, you know, from Narnia with the White Witch to Sauron, Saruman, Gandalf, and yes, Harry Potter, this really isn't anything new. But this certainly is, in my opinion, criticism that's pretty petty. Like, if you don't like it, that's cool. But you don't need to go and take this really lengthy route to try to explain why you didn't like it. I'm going to venture a guess that Ben Christensen, had he liked Ahsoka probably wouldn't have had any problems with the paganism, as he calls it, because if he really is that bothered by what's in Star Wars Ahsoka, then perhaps he shouldn't be watching Star Wars at all. Something inside me has always been there. But now it's awake. And I need help. So where is the Ahsoka show going? Where is this story going? I um, am bummed out that it's going to be a couple of years before we find out. I mentioned on last week's episode, I really do like the way that they wrapped up this season. It ended on an open-ended cliffhanger, but at the same time, all of our heroes have gone on a journey. Everybody is in a different place, and they've learned some lessons. The criticism that Ben gave in that Federalist piece of of Sabine and, and her stealing from Ahsoka and talking back to her. I mean, again, that was all part of the journey. And she realized that by the end of the series. And even when she tried to and was lamenting a bit after Thrawn had gotten away, Ahsoka was keen to mention, but you know what? You got Ezra home and we are right where we need to be. I personally took that in a defense of of what the article said as a everything happens for a reason. You know, you made that choice for a reason. Thrawn got away for a reason. Balin is off doing whatever he's doing, and Shin is with the nomads now, and we're here and right where we need to be. I felt it was incredibly satisfying. One of the other aspects of the show that I really enjoyed, and I'm going to couple this with some comments that Dave Filoni uh, gave recently as well, was the taking of the world between worlds and putting it into live action and giving that a a larger um, Star Wars content platform of which to draw upon rather than just animated. Now, in the animated show Rebels, the world between worlds was canon, 
But now we have it in a live action setting, you know, in the middle of this Mandoverse timeline set between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. Dave Filoni has said in interviews that if you go back and watch Rebels, there are moments when, um, and I'll name one, when Ezra is connecting with the Force. And, um, you know, for that for that matter, um, so is his master. You know, Kanan goes through this experience as well when they find that Je- that Jedi temple on Lothal. At one point, Ezra makes contact with with Yoda, and you, you, you see Yoda there. Um, Dave Filoni has mentioned that this is all happening within the world between worlds, that the world between worlds isn't necessarily a, it's not a place for time travel. It's a place where, where people end up and they can perhaps see different portions of their lives, but it's very, or different experiences that they've had in their lives. And that's why in Rebels, when he is in the world between worlds, he's hearing different aspects of Star Wars that you and I are all familiar with, but he can't make the connection because he didn't experience them. The windows to those other moments were places where he was, that he had a direct connection to. What I appreciate about the ambiguity of the world between worlds is that it actually go it goes and helps me to... Um, rationalize and and rectify some of the problems not to say problems that i have but some of the biggest questions that i had within other star wars storytelling for so for example i always had a weird issue with the force cave in the empire strikes back from when i first saw it to even when i watch it now um a part of that is because we've gotten a lot of answers to you know a lot of different uh, parts of star wars that weren't immediately you know spelled out when we watched the content in and of itself or ancillary material. But now when I look at the force cave and Luke going into the force cave and meeting Darth Vader, I connect that with the world between worlds. Um, the last Jedi and the force bond less so, but still having this other place now on an ethereal plane helps to, you know, bridge the the believability gap that I might have or to rationalize it more and to bring in more of that mythology within the storytelling that allows it to make a little bit more sense. That isn't to say that I have any problem with the Force bonds that took place in The Last Jedi or The Rise of Skywalker, um, but having a thing like the world between worlds exist it elevates that ability, at least for me, um, more so than it did before. In The Rise of Skywalker, having watched that movie again, which I still just absolutely love, when Rey goes to find the Wayfinder on the destroyed Death Star 2, and she goes into that room that's adjacent to where the Emperor's throne was, I know in the... Making of documentary, they mentioned how, you know, that room was always there. You just didn't know that that was there. And so now they're just showing you another angle of it. But at the same time, if you watch it in the last, uh, in the, excuse me, in the Rise of Skywalker, it doesn't look like there's anything on the other side of that door. And when Ray walks in and she ends up finding the Wayfinder, and we know inside of the world between worlds, you can touch things, things are tangible. She ends up coming across her Sith self, a Sith version of herself, and has that awesome, um, albeit short, lightsaber battle with her Sith self. 
Now I just look at that and I go, okay, that's the world between worlds. And also in The Rise of Skywalker, the appearance of Han Solo after that whole scene plays out in her fight with Kylo Ren, which is absolutely epic, the appearance of Han Solo, I just now attribute that to being accessible because of the world between worlds. And that is what, for me, these types of shows have the ability to do, to enhance what has come before it and to add new dimensions to it. And it's one thing that Dave Filoni does so amazingly well and he did in rebels too rebels really just enhanced my enjoyment of so much of the storytelling around it especially when it comes to the mythology so i just wanted to share in sort of a counterpoint as i was going through that article of how much i've really enjoyed the series and again it's all subjective right it's unfortunate to me that we and this is never going to change, and I, I talked about this last week, that we're in a place now when it comes to the commentary around these shows where the negative sells more than the positive does and gets more clicks and views, and that's so disappointing to me because it's so much more fun to talk about Star Wars that you enjoy. I just It was so much more enjoyable when you were just having conversations with your friends and, and family, and it's part of the reason why I did this podcast because I really wanted to... Just get back to talking about my love of Star Wars. Sometimes I'll get detailed. Sometimes I'll just talk my instinctive reaction and how much I personally enjoyed it, just like you would have a conversation with friends. Sometimes I'll criticize things that I don't like, all keeping in mind that it's subjective and everybody is entitled to their opinion. What sucks is when people can't get over the fact that they didn't like something and they have to go and find a reason why and share that with everybody, which is what I thought saw happen in this Ben Christensen uh, piece. And I just, I it, it bums me out when people whose writings that I enjoy and their opinions that I enjoy end up going and just having what are, in my opinion, just really bad takes on Star Wars shows. I want to share with you just one comment before we wrap things up. Ray 2017, uh, 2017 writes, I would like a, a movie with Ray, Sabine, uh, and Ahsoka together. I mentioned this on last week's show. I don't think it's going to happen, but... Having Sabine and Ahsoka there on Paradidia and stuck, if we get the further story of Thrawn, the new um, Republic, which we will, um, Ezra, Hera, it could be that you know, they're stuck there and we don't see them return until after the events of the sequel trilogy and the Battle of Exegol when they're found again. I don't think I mentioned this on the show, but... Have we established that you can't jump from one galaxy to another? My understanding watching the episodes again was they needed the extra hyperspace engines to get the Eye of Scion there because it was so big. Ahsoka needed to ride in the mouth of the space whale because they knew how to get there, but I still haven't seen any evidence that you can't jump from one location to another. And one thing that nobody's mentioned is they do have a spaceship. So when we return, even if they are stuck there for a while, we could have adventures in this other galaxy with Ahsoka, Sabine, and Hu Yang even before they get back to the regular galaxy because obviously they're not the only ones that are in that galaxy. And there has been some rumors that the Skeleton Crew, which will come out next year, maybe a part of that as well. So we'll see how it uh, how it plays out. 
I just know that um, the Ahsoka series is by far my favorite live action content that has come out, and I just find it um, infinitely rewatchable at this point in time. As a matter of fact, I'm in the middle of another rewatch of it right uh, right now. I wish that Disney Plus would put them together so you can just watch it as one whole and not have any breaks. It seems like such a no-brainer. Watch any series without any without any breaks. It must have something to do with the way that they count viewership and episodes um, and are able to make money that way. That's the only reason that I could think as to why they wouldn't have, they wouldn't just put up there the ability to watch it from beginning to end without having to stop at the end of every episode and go through the credits starting and watch next episode and then go through all the, uh, go through all the intros. Unless they're just that lazy and they don't want to put it together, which is also a possible as well. Thank you so much for checking out this week's uh, episode. If you uh, like what you hear and you want to support my nerd world, I hope you'll uh, take a moment and check out my science fiction space opera series, Embark. Um, it's fantastic for great uh, for ages 11 plus. Uh, written for adults, but ages 11 plus have enjoyed it. Treat yourself, a friend, or a family member with uh, science fiction. Uh, if you like it to be... Uh, epic filled with some romance action embark is perfect for you uh book one's description the stars are within reach rival mega corporations decorp and intercon have made interstellar travel uh, travel possible and space flight available to the masses but when an industrial accident inside decorp unleashes a catastrophic chain of events all of earth is at risk meanwhile when kate morrow suddenly receives a cryptic message from her late aerospace engineer father Fellow pilot Taft Guardia eagerly agrees to help her investigate. But as a global evacuation begins and the ruthless Sin Argum of D Corp attempts to exploit the disaster and gain control, Taft and Katha discover what may be the only chance of stopping D Corp's evil leader before it's too late. Yeah, don't miss out on this fast paced and action packed uh, sci fi adventure series. Seven books uh, in all, available in ebook, Kindle Unlimited, uh, hardcover, and paperback. And you can now purchase paperbacks and hardcovers directly from me. I've got hardcovers now here at home as well. Any book in the series, if you're interested in getting, as long as you're in the U.S., overseas shipping is too uh, expensive. But I can uh, offer um, $5 shipping alone on any number of books that you buy. So regardless of how if you buy the entire series, seven books, it still is only going to cost you $5 in shipping. I usually get them out within a few days. And they'll be autographed um, for uh, for free as well. So if you want to pick up any book in the Embark series, uh, you can buy the paperbacks and hardcovers from me direct, also available in audiobook. If you want to purchase them directly from me, just email talkshownerd at gmail.com, talkshownerd at gmail.com. Thank you so much for checking out this week's uh, episode. And if you'd like to comment on anything that I mentioned on today's show, use the same email that you would use to purchase your paperbacks or hardcover versions of Embark. TalkshowNerd at gmail.com. I hope wherever you are, you're happy, you're healthy, you are safe, uh, praying for the people in Israel, and that peace would come to that conflict quickly before uh, there is more loss of uh, life. And thank you so much for checking out this week's episode. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. The Force will be with you. Always. My Nerd World.